Hello humans, welcome back to the series on the armor of God. Now we already learned about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and so now we continue. Ephesians 6.15 says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So Christians are always ready for battle because they wear the shoes of readiness. And because they wear the shoes of readiness, they are always ready to travel with purpose. So we are now instructed to put on the shoes of readiness. Now that Greek text says to hupadeo, which means to bind the feet or to put on sandals. Now we find this same Greek word is used in Mark 6, 9 and Acts 12, 8. And in both incidents, it signified getting ready for the journey that they were about to travel. So again, Ephesians 6.15 says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that word preparation is the Greek word petroimasia, which means to be ready, to be prepared. So when we discussed the breastplate of righteousness, I asked you to consider Marvel's superhero Iron Man, right? Okay, but for this one, for the shoes of readiness, I want you to consider a different superhero. Daredevil. Daredevil is a great example of having feet of readiness. Now, in his true civilian identity, Matthew Michael Murdoch, he is a skilled and respected New York attorney, detective, tracker, and an interrogation expert, as well as being an expert marksman. But the amazing thing about this superhero is that he's blind. He's blind. However, Daredevil, though he is blind, he is always alert and ready to respond appropriately to any situation and is prepared to dodge danger and avoid attacks. But not only is Daredevil uh, ready to avoid the attacks of his adversaries, but he is also ready to effectively combat evil with counter-attacks and accomplish good. Now, many people might believe Okay, Daredevil, this is a far-fetched fairy tale nonsense example. But no, there are numerous accounts of real-life examples of people living out amazing lives despite being blind. So I want you to consider just the, the following examples, okay? There is a guy named Daniel Kish. Now, though he is blind, this man showcases the fact that people don't need sight to have vision. Now, Daniel is considered to be an expert in the technique of human echolocation. And he actually trains other blind people how to use this technique of clicking this in order to successfully navigate through the daily demands of life by uh, responding to sound waves. Now, through his nonprofit charity, which is called World Access for the Blind, he is freeing many blind people from the constraints that society places upon them. So his website, which is visioneers.org, it's dedicated to helping those who are blind. And it calls his uh, sonar vision is his superpower for the blind. In fact, well, some people even call Daniel the real-life daredevil. And because Daniel consistently seeks to help others and he's decided to dedicate his entire life to living for others well i would consider him a superhero now though he's not daredevil uh i'm, I'm gonna give him the super name sonar and I'm, I'm gonna declare that his superpower is vision by means of echolocation but i want you to consider another guy too 
this a guy named Eric Weihenmayer. He's also blind. Now, though blind, this man has conquered the seven summits. And he's also co-founded uh, No Barriers USA. And he aims to aid people with various disabilities to live full and rewarding lives. Now, Eric has also written uh, two different books and his unique life story, it was made into an award-winning feature film back in 2003. It's called Farther Than the Eye Can See. And that film raised more than $600,000 for charitable organizations around the world. And of course, you know, we could also examine Helen Keller, right? Who was not only blind, but also deaf. And yet Helen, she became an inspiration to many people around the world. And if such true examples of people who were blind could be equipped to navigate through life how much more how much more should people who possess sight be prepared to walk through life with precision and purpose so what are the shoes of readiness what purpose did shoes serve for roman soldiers as paul would have tried to present this to us and more importantly, what purpose do these spiritual shoes serve for us as Christians? Now, the Roman soldier's shoes, they were primarily composed of two parts, the greave and the shoe itself. Now, the greave was a fitted piece of bronze or brass that began at the top of the knee and extended down past the lower leg, and it finally rested on top of the upper portion of the foot. The shoe, the shoes were equipped with spikes on the bottoms. Okay, but, but how does this apply to our lives as Christians? Well, I just imagine a soldier being completely covered with protective armor, right? Yet having bare and exposed feet. I mean, think about it. Just one rock, glass shard, or nail could bring a soldier down to his knees, trip him up, cause him to be overcome in battle. Because the feet carry the soldier and direct him to the battle and through the battle, protection for the feet are necessary. It's extremely important. For example, in Greek mythology, the most enduring story of the death of Achilles uh, describes how one single arrow shot from a man named Paris landed in the one spot Achilles happened to be vulnerable, his heel. The one area of exposed weakness was enough to bring the great warrior down in defeat. Now, another example can be found <laughs> in uh, the comedic movie back 1990, 1990 movie called Home Alone. In a hilarious scene of booby traps and mishaps, the criminal, Marv, steps on a nail with his bare foot and then he falls down the stairs while screaming in agony. <sighs> so Ephesians 5... 15 to 16 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So it is important to understand that it's not necessary, okay, to have physical feet in order to put on the shoes of readiness. This is a spiritual war, and the spiritual armor it still applies to those who don't even have physical legs. There have been many people who have either lost their legs or they were born without legs, 
yet they accomplished good deeds in life. And so I want you to consider these following examples. Okay, there is a lady named Zuli Sanguino. I actually follow her on Instagram. Uh, this beautiful woman was born without arms and without legs. No arms, no legs. But despite being a victim of bullying, rape, and her desiring to commit suicide, she eventually became determined to overcome her disability. Now, as it turned out, God had blessed Zuli with this incredible artistic talent. Using her mouth, she is able to create beautiful paintings that I can't even create with my hands. Now, Zuli also became a motivational speaker for businesses, prisons, and schools. And she lives for others, inspiring them and changing lives. And because she lives for others and is more than a conqueror, well, I would also consider her a superhero. But of course, we also need to bring up the GOAT, Nick Vujicic. Nick, like Zuli, he was also born without arms or legs. Nick, uh, he also overcame a desire to commit suicide. He's actually made a video about it. He tried to drown himself in a bathtub. But he is now a Christian evangelist and a motivational speaker who runs the Life Without Limbs ministry. Now, in his website, lifewithoutlimbs.org, he states that God can use life without limbs to show the world how to live life without limits. In fact, in his mission statement, it says it, his mission is to cross boundaries, to break down barriers, and to build bridges that bring people to the love and hope found in Jesus Christ. And because Nick lives life for others, and he's more than a conqueror, I would also consider him a superhero in this world. So what else do these, these shoes of readiness do for us? What are, what are they for? Stand your ground. Listen, the spikes on the bottom of the Roman soldier's shoes, they helped him to have firm footing and prevent him from being pushed back or to slip and fall down. Scripture tells us that we are to stand in the confidence of knowing that we have on the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now that word peace is the English translation of the Greek word irene. It's an ancient word that conveys the idea of a peace that prevails or a conquering peace where there exists prosperity, quietness, and rest. When you have strapped on that peace, irene, you have, you have peace on the bottom of your feet you are immovable. So this piece helps us to stand our ground and it keeps us in place when the enemy tries to drive us back. The person who has the, the footing in peace, he's like a tree with deep roots and that tree will not get knocked down during a storm. Just in three different examples, uh, Ephesians 6.14 1 Corinthians 16.13 and 2 Corinthians 1.24, for example, we are instructed to stand. Now, it's interesting to note that the majority of verses in the New Testament that have to do with standing also have to do with faith. Listen, it's time to take a stand. Stand your ground. 
Do not allow the enemy to push you back. But what else are these shoes of readiness for? We're, we're dodging danger. We're avoiding attacks. Now, due to humanity's fallen inclination toward evil and war, listen to this. According to UNICEF, it is estimated that there are a, about 110 million landmines throughout the world that are still in the ground right now. That's what we created as humans. Think about that. What are we creating? And an estimated equal amount of mines are in stockpiles waiting to be used or destroyed. Now, if demining efforts remain at about the same rate as they are right now, and no new mines are planted, it's estimated to take over 1,000 years to get rid of all the world's active landmines. But you and I both know that mines have not ceased to be planted by wicked people. Research declares that about every 20 seconds, someone in the world gets injured or dies due to mines. And listen, that's just merely the danger of human physical warfare. Now imagine, imagine how many mines have been strategically placed in the spiritual war that is waging all around us. We are in a real war, whether you like it or not. Look, secularists, agnostics, and atheists alike, they all tend to claim that the world would be a better place without religion. They're like, after all, who caused the Crusades? Religious people. Who was in charge of the Spanish Inquisition? Religious people. Who is behind the 9-11 terrorist attack? Religious people. Yeah, well, that one's debatable. Listen, as if listening to John Lennon's song, Imagine, on repeat over and over again, those who are anti-religion, they seem to sing their secular song that there would be no need or greed or hunger. There'd be nothing to kill nor die for. That we would all live in peace, man. But is that true? Do the facts support this claim? Now, as Christians, we must first admit that religion does possess the potential to create evil in the world. Okay, as Christians, we should readily admit that evil has been created in the name of God. However, it is also important to remember that even God told us that religion can create evil. That's wrong religion. Both the prophets and Jesus condemned the rigmarole of religious rituals in the name of tiresome tradition and pious performances performed out from pride. Listen, not everything done in the name of God accurately reflects the true teachings of God. All the evil that has been created in the name of Christianity does not accurately reflect what Christianity actually teaches. Thus, if people actually do what God actually commands, people will not live evil lives. So, is religion the cause of most wars? Hmm, we must remember that all evil is a privation of the absolute standard of good. Thus, all evil is not of God. So, consider all the violence done in the name of secularism. Listen, if religion must apologize for all the violence done in its name, so should atheism. 
Religion is not the only cause of evil in this world. In fact, more people have been killed by atheist regimes in the 20th century than in all religious persecutions of Western history. Mao Zedong was responsible for over 40 million deaths. Joseph Stalin was responsible for more than 20 million deaths, and Adolf Hitler's count is over 10 million. And those are just the big three atheists. We haven't even taken into account the other tyrants, such as Pol Pot, Enver Hoxha, Fidel Castro, Kim Jong-il. Listen, in just one century, atheists have murdered more than 100 million people. And on the other hand, the Crusades, Inquisition, and even the witch burnings, together, all together, about 200,000 people. Now, do not confuse the issue of evil and misunderstand the truth. It is not violence done in the name of religion that has caused the most evil in the world. No, it's violence done apart from God's will. For if everyone would live in alignment with God's absolute moral standard, evil would not exist. Secularist violence is the result of humanity playing the role of God and doing a horrible job of doing so. All violence is done in the name of atheism. Uh, well, if... Okay, let me put it this way. All violence that is done in the name of atheism, it is in alignment with its beliefs. Because that's self-preservation is right. Natural selection is survival of the fittest. Likewise, all violence done in the name of Islam, it, it is because Islam teaches conquest in the Quran. All violence done in the name of Christianity, however, is because those people are not actually practicing Christianity. They go against what the Bible teaches. Many people claim to be Christians, yet they are far from it. It even says that in scripture. You, you give me lip service, but your hearts are far from me. Listen, secularism views humanity, okay, not God. Secularism views humanity, not God, as the measure of all things. And instead of seeing humankind as sinful and in need of redemption, which is clearly evident by their own violence and lack of love, secularism is convinced that humans can become perfect beings and create utopia here on earth. Secularist regimes do whatever it takes to achieve this, including taking complete control of society and murdering anyone who gets in the way. Without God as the absolute moral standard, we cannot even distinguish between what is good and what is evil. The facts of history reveal religion is the cause of only a very small percentage of wars. Actually, it's, there are two different multi-volume uh, comprehensive encyclopedias about wars, and they examined five millennia worth of wars, and they found that only 7% were religious in nature. However, if we remove the 66 wars waged in the name of Islam, it actually cuts that number down to a little more than 3%. 3%. However, politics and government control 
This has the secular body count at more than 100 million in the 20th century alone. Listen, temporary military alliances are as old as war. What, what causes war? The rebellion against the covenant with God, pride. Now that word temporary calls attention to a lack of commitment and loyalty. And it is this lack of loyalty to the Lord and commitment to love that causes wars. Without a covenant, there can be no unity. A real relationship, okay, not an artificial alliance, a real relationship creates and keeps the covenant. In a covenant, a, a contract agreement, two become one. Look, one body does not attack itself. Or, I mean, unless you're Jim Carrey and liar, liar, beating yourself up in the bathroom. One body does not attack itself. Temporary is a decision for division and the reason for divorce, well, of course. Look, divorce is the natural consequence of a temporal mindset, of an artificial alliance and allegiance. A superficial status is not cemented or secure. Separation is inevitable from the unwilling, the uncommitted, insecure, and immature. I want you to ponder on this. Examine a rock. A rock? Yes, a rock. Rocks are a bond of two or more minerals um, that have been united together, squeezed and heated together, melted and cooled together, forming one rock. So essentially, two become one. Now the key word should not be temporary, but together. A true covenant is a permanent commitment. Now ponder on this wonder. What did David use to defeat Goliath? A rock. Listen, the rock knocked Goliath down because the rock stayed together and did not separate. Ponder on this wonder. What did Jesus say would be the foundation on which the church would be built and the gates of hell would not prevail against? The rock. Ponder on this wonder. What is the planet Earth also known as? The third rock from the sun. Earth is one. Earth is one. Do not all humans live in this one rock? Are we not all made in the image of God? This means that everyone is a creation of God. Now ponder on this wonder. What is marriage? Two becoming one. What is heaven? Two becoming one. The church unites with Christ. Listen, it all leads back to everlasting love. And when we have God's word cemented in our hearts, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if we have God's love cemented in our minds, God's word cemented in our minds, nothing should ever separate us from loving others. So, is religion the cause of most wars? No, not even close. However, I do concede to the fact that false doctrines and wrong beliefs do cause wars. But Christianity is not a religion, rather it is truth. 
Christ is truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Religions that exist apart from truth, they most certainly do cause wars. And the war is constantly waging in your mind. The adversary wants to cover truth and disguise lies so that the lies appear to be true. You are in a real war, whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not. The advertisement and the entertainment industries, they inundate our lives. They affect every aspect of life. Secularism and personal agendas have infiltrated our public education systems and fills naive minds with indoctrination. In summary, it is true that the pages of human history are stained with the blood of religious violence. However, those same pages are also covered in the blood of Jesus. On the cross, the Savior not only took evil on himself and absorbed all sin for all humanity, for all time, but he gave us the hope and power to live as new creations in Christ instead of blaming God for the world's evils. We must look to the Savior for the solution and for our salvation. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. Well, the message paraphrases it this way. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? Hmm. What else are we doing with these shoes of readiness? Watch your step. You better watch your step. Listen, even after war is over, the remnants of war remain. Wounds still must heal, both physically and mentally. The full extent of war's destruction is evident in the aftermath through the process of rebuilding. Listen, the spiritual war was won when Christ sacrificed himself on the cross and then rose on the third day. However, there are still traps for those who refuse God's gift of grace and mercy. There are even traps for those of us who have accepted God's gift of grace. Even though the enemy has been defeated, the spiritual minds still remain active. Until Christ returns and takes us to the new earth under the new heavens, this current life is still Operation Relentless Rescue. That means we've got work to do. Observe, think, analyze, be aware. Do you truly believe that the temptations that come your way are merely coincidental? Hmm, I mean, is it possible, that maybe, that demons know your selfish desires because they examine you? Do your temptations seem too subtle to be certain? The physical enemy plants physical minds where there is a likelihood for people to travel, right? Likewise, the spiritual minds are also planted in places where people frequently travel through life. <laughs> like the birds in the 2003 movie, Finding Nemo. Mine, mine, mine. Look, people are screaming this all the time. 
Mine! 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 Many people are so accustomed to saying mine for selfish reasons that when the word is heard, well, they believe it automatically the word to be a proclamation of possession. Like many people, I'm also screaming that word. However, I am screaming it for your sake, not mine. Mine! There's a mine! Watch out! Listen, our society has been contaminated and corrupted by the counterfeiter. Satan has planted billions of spiritual minds within our advertisement, entertainment industries. Listen, you need to be careful. These minds look a lot like your desires. All minds are strategically placed around sex, money, title, position, power, authority, stimulants, material possessions. Why do you think this would be so? Well, Jesus told us the answer. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, those who work in the entertainment and the advertisement industries, they know that the flesh is weak. Okay, that's why they promote their products in the appealing ways that they do. We must put on the shoes of readiness and watch our steps. Or we will find maybe that we don't even have a leg to stand on. We better watch our steps or we will lose our way. Look, people who have been blessed with eyesight, they can still be blind. Jesus said though, that he's the blind leading the blind. If we're not careful, we'll not only lose a limb or life, we can also lose our purpose, and then our eternal joy with the Lord will instead be eternal sorrow and torment in hell. Consider the wisdom of what is written. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus said, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Listen, I'm about to walk you through a minefield with, with, every, uh, with every single one of these examples that I'm about to give you through this minefield. Okay? I'm, I'm like a guide, and I'm warning you. Mine! Watch out! So, let's travel through this minefield. Listen, it may be tempting to allow the anger within you to explode outward, but do not sin in your anger. It may be tempting to puff up with pride, but don't walk into anger, step into that argument and allow poisonous words to spill out from your mouth. It may be tempting to see if the grass is greener on the other side, but do not walk over boundaries and step into another person's romantic relationship. It may be tempting to get credit and receive praise for something you did not do, but do not walk into dishonesty and dishonor by stepping into another person's place of honor. No, you give honor where honor is due. It may be tempting to immerse yourself in the entrancement of technology, 
but do not walk into a dead end by stepping into isolation. It may be tempting to exchange personal information for the sake of friendship, but don't walk down disrespectful drive or slander street by stepping into the realm of gossip. It may be tempting to compromise an area of truth to experience fun or receive pleasure, but do not walk into disobedience to seek temporary desires that never fulfill. Never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Do not trade away God's lifelong gift to satisfy a short-term appetite. It may be tempting to escape suffering and sorrow, but do not walk down evil lane and step into the entrapment of drugs. Don't walk into that store, step your way into becoming a drunken fool. It may be tempting to risk everything you currently have in order to attain everything you desire. But do not step away from responsibility by stepping into unrealistic odds that are not in your favor. It may be tempting to escape the pain in life by ending your life, but do not walk into the possibility of hell by stepping your way into suicide. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So with these shoes of readiness, we also advance forward. Listen, the spikes on the bottom of the shoes are not only for standing your ground and refusing to be pushed back, they are also for traction in order to gain ground and advance forward. Are you taking ground or losing ground? In Joshua 1.3, God told Joshua that he would possess all the land that he walked on. God freely gave the children of Israel the promised land. However, in order for them to possess that land and enjoy it, they had to advance forward while overcoming opposition and casting the enemy out. In Joshua 18, 2-3, it is written, There remained among the sons of Israel seven tribes who had not divided their inheritance. So Joshua said to the sons of Israel, How long will you put off entering to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? It is written in Romans 16.20 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now that word crush is the English translation of the Greek word suntribo. And it was historically used to denote the act of smashing, utterly crushing grapes into wine. But it was also used to denote the act of snapping, breaking, and crushing bones. And because of Jesus... Satan is under our feet because of Jesus, not us. Listen, alone, we are no match for Satan. But because we have partnership with the Lord, we can overcome. The Lord did the crushing. We do the marching. 
Jesus completely destroyed Satan's power over you uh, through his sacrificial death and resurrection. Look, standing in faith is a defensive move and a refusal to go back. However, walking with the Lord is an offensive move and a decision to advance forward. And because we walk in the confidence and peace of knowing this, it's time to advance forward and walk with purpose in faithful obedience. It is good to be able to dodge danger and avoid attacks, but that does not mean that we should evade evil and avoid the adversary altogether. No, dodging danger and avoiding attacks does not mean that we should stay away from people who sin and avoid areas where evil lurks. Christians do not run away from problems. Rather, they embrace their callings and seek solutions in the name of the Savior. Christians should escape from temptations, but they should always face their problems. In 1 John 2, 3-6, it is written, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Matthew 28, 16-20 But the eleven disciples, they proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of age. Wherever Jesus had directed the disciples to go, they went there. The shoes of readiness help us to dodge danger and avoid attacks, sure. However, the shoes of readiness also guide us to walk with purpose in faithful obedience. Our purpose for walking by faith is to share the gospel, the good news. If your feet do not take you out of your comfort zone and into the battlefield, well, then you're not wearing the shoes of readiness. The couch potato Christians might as well wear ankle monitors, consider themselves prisoners of their own probations. When Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, Apostle Paul, When he became Paul, Jesus helped him to realize he had been blind to the truth all along. So again, even those with sight can be blind. Now from this we can learn that without Jesus, we are all dead in our own sins. The Lord is the light and the only reason we have sight. Without Jesus to give us vision, 
we would all be blind darkness dwellers without God as the light who guides our steps. We would all be the blind leading the blind. But because Jesus called us out of the darkness and into the light, passed the torch to us, he told us to be the lights, we became the light bearers. And we act as travel guides. Just as tourists typically follow tour guides until they reach their destinations, the lost only follow Christians until they come to Christ. Listen, people ultimately follow Christ, not Christians. You have to know God's word. You do. That's your, it's on you. You have to know God's word and follow Christ. Listen, no one follows me unless I'm leading that person to Christ or unless we're on a journey together. But once I lead that person to Christ, they need to start following Jesus, not me. I'm not going to be around forever. John 1, 35 to 37, it says, Again, the next day, John, which John the Baptist, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked, and, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. That means they left John the Baptist, okay? The two disciples left John the Baptist who followed Jesus. And that is the way it is supposed to be in all of Christianity. But we have too many spiritually dead churches with manipulative leaders who never want their congregation to leave because with them will go their money. But as light-bearing guides... We must put on the shoes of readiness if we are to lead those in the dark to the light. We leave church buildings to seek after the lost. However, don't walk in the darkness without your shoes of readiness on. Don't go into the battlefield with bare feet. Are your shoes on? Are you ready? Romans 10, 14 to 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So make no mistake, you are being sent. Jesus commanded you to go and I'm encouraging you to go. You are sent. So let's reflect on all of this. So ask yourself, are you ready to dodge danger and avoid attacks? Are you ready to stand your ground against the enemy and then advance forward with a counterattack? All Christians walk in wisdom and with purpose in faithful obedience. Do you believe that your feet were given to you so that you can take ground and claim land and lives for the Savior? In your glorious name, Yeshua Christ Jesus, I pray. God, I, Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for the shoes of readiness that you gave to us. Please open our eyes. Open our eyes. Help us to see what you truly want us to see. Give us vision. Expose the lies. Reveal the truth. Please open our ears. Help us to hear what you truly want us to hear. Help us to recognize the minds for what they truly are. Lord, help us to walk that straight and narrow path of righteousness, neither deviating left nor right, but keeping straight on the path of truth. And when we encounter the minds, please help us to recognize that that path of escape that you promised to provide for us. Please lead righteous people our way and surround us with good and righteous influences who will keep us accountable and inspire us to rise to new and higher levels in our lives, uh, increasing in faith and boldness. Please work through us in order to guide others away from destructive minds of, of the adversary's mind. Lord, please help us to guide the lost to the one and only who can save. That is you, Lord. Lord, I humbly recognize if you had not given me vision, I would still be blind. Lord, help me to lead others to you so that you may heal them of their blindness. Open their eyes, help them see. Do for them what you did for me so that they can truly see. Lord, help me to be a light of love in the darkness of this evil infested world. Help me to provide my light to those without sight so that they may find their way to you. Lord, help me to shine your light so that those without light, so they can go and they can eventually go and shine their lights and help others acquire light. Lord, I know, I know, I know that a candle was designed to provide light. And I know that a candle can either refuse to be lit and it can remain a mere candle all of its inactive days, or it can accept the fire of the Holy Spirit and provide light as it was designed to do. Lord, I understand that as I provide light as a mere candle, I will dwindle down to nothing, but in doing so, I will truly live. And truly, I would rather live in your light, Lord, than merely exist in the darkness. Look, I know it is better to sink while sailing for you, Savior, than, than to forever float in that hinder harbor tied to the devil's dock. God, I, I am just a mere candle creation. But please help me to give light to as many other candles as possible before my time ends. <laughs> I know that a candle doesn't lose its light by lighting another candle. Light only increases. Please, Lord, as we advance on this battlefield with our shoes of readiness, Please guide our steps to be in step with your perfect will. May your will be the way, not ours. Amen.